0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Um, We're just going to dig into the Word for a few minutes this morning. Um, I think it's important to um, cover the topic we covered last week. Again, we talked about prayer. How many know prayer is important? Prayer is prayer is what moves the hand of God in our life. It's it, prayer is what gasoline is to the automobile. Prayer is what it's, it's part of our Christian life. We need it to grow. We need it to move forward in life. And so, um, God is faithful uh, in in revealing truth to us. So, Father, I thank you, God, today that as I go through these scriptures, Lord, that you would open our eyes and you'd open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen, Amen." Amen. Amen. Well, last week. Um, uh, you know, we, we touched a bit on Ephesians 1 15 to 20, and um, uh, and, and it really talks about commitment. And we, it talks about Paul praying for the church of Ephesus, and he said he was, co- he was basically committed to pray for the church. You know, um, commitment and consistency is important. Amen? Commitment and consistency in prayer is very important. Paul understood that prayer is the fuel that propels us in our spiritual life. And, um, and David also understood the consistency. We looked at the scripture last week, but we're going to look at it again. Matthew, or Psalms chapter 55, uh, verse 17 and 19. David says, morning, noon, and night. Say morning, noon, and night. Morning, so we see some consistency, right? We see that he is... Um, He has a strategy here. He says, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice, and um, he ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waging against me, though many still oppose me. And uh, we talked last week about the fact that there is a battle waging against us. Amen? You might say, well, this Christian life is hard. I'm a Christian, and now I'm in a battle all the time. Well, the reality is we're all in a battle, it's just now that you're saved, your eyes are open to it, right? How many of those, that, those are not Christians are in battles too, right? But now our eyes are open so we see the battle that's coming against us and we have to stand against that battle, okay? There's a wrestling that has to happen in prayer. We, we use the acronym PUSH. Pray until something happens. And there's times in our lives where we have to pray and we have to, you know, pray. It's kind of like you're in labor and you're trying to birth. How many, know, how many women here know labor is intensive, right? Uh, and I, I've seen it firsthand. I've never experienced it, but you women know what it's like. And and there's work in birthing, and there's pain in birthing. And sometimes in prayer, there's, there's a birthing season where you need to pray, and you have to travail in prayer, and you have to push until something happens. How, how many know that? And so God wants us to learn to pray uh, until something happens. And we talked about that last week. That's the whole aspect of... Um, Uh, spiritual warfare, it's the aspect of intercession. Uh, Today I want to talk a little bit more about meditative prayer, what that looks like, okay? Uh, We talked also about how Jesus is our example, uh, and he he is our best example for how we should pray. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went home and watched Netflix. (laughs) No, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening had come, he was alone there. There's something that's really important about solitude. There's there's something that's very important about being alone with God. How many know corporate prayer is good? It's good to come together and pray as a family or pray as a church. That's important, but there's also a need, and there's something that God requires of us, and that's that place of solitude. That's a place where we can get alone with God. It's a personal relationship, okay? Luke chapter 6.12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And so he prayed. Jesus set a good example. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. The word is solitary, right? And there he prayed. So, solitude is actually, that word actually means a state or situation of being alone. It's a lonely, uninhabitable place. And, you know, we have to make time to have solitude, to have quiet time with God. And there's such a busyness in life, right? We're raising kids and we're, we're going to our jobs and we're, we're, we're busy, busy. Even our own thoughts are busy and we have to make a place where we get away and say, Lord, I'm just going to set aside the, the, the noise. I want to be in an unhabitable place so I can hear your voice. And Jesus understood this. And Jesus um, gave us a good example. Last week we also talked about how Elijah, do you remember, he went and the Lord had spoken to him and said, soon I'm going to send the rain. There was a three-year famine because of the sin in the land. And so he comes and he says, I'm going to send the rain soon. So God's will was to send the rain. He wanted to end the drought. But, 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 but there came a time that, that Elijah, after the sin was dealt with and all that, you know, he called down fire from heaven and he showed up the prophets of Baal and all the good stuff happened. He said, now the Lord's going to send rain. But he had to go up and he had to pray on the mountain. And the Bible says he prayed seven times because every time he prayed, nothing happened. And so he prayed, nothing happened. So he said to the servant, go see if something happened. Came back, nothing happened. Seven times he did that. And finally, like this hand, a cloud the size of a man's hand came out of the ocean. And that was the starting of this great rainstorm that was going to happen. Right? You guys remember we talked about that? And so there was all this stuff happening and going on. but, But what happened was Elijah, if we go back and read the story, he was challenging the prophets of Baal. And you guys know the story. He said, listen, we're going to have a showdown. We're going to see who, really, who God really is. If our God is greater than the God of Baal. And so he, they built an altar and they brought the cow and they put it on the altar and they called down fire. You guys know the story. And he showed up all the prophets and then he had the, the prophets of Baal were slaughtered. They were killed because of their sin. And suddenly Ahab goes back and talks to his wife Jezebel. And says, uh, do you know what Elijah just did? And begins to tell the story. And Jezebel says, I'm going to strike you down before tomorrow. You're dead. I'm going to, I'm going to do to you what you did to the prophets. You're, you're dead meat. And the message got to Elijah. And fear came over him. And the mighty man who stood against the prophets of Baal now is running and hiding. How many know the story? And uh, he runs and he hides. He's hiding. He's, he's depressed. He's in a bad place. And he's running from the Lord for 40 days. He ends up at the mountain of the Lord in a cave. And the Lord speaks to him. And this is what he says in 1st King 19, verse 11 to 13. Go out and stand before me on this mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. Say, the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And sometimes we're waiting for the wind of God's spirit to blow into our lives. Sometimes we're, we're, we're praying and saying, God, I need, I need you to come and I need you to shake some stuff in my life. I need you to shake up some situations and we need an earthquake. Sometimes we're saying, God, I need the fire of God in my life. God, if I could just have the days that I had in the past, we need the fire, we need the wind, we need the earthquake, we need a move of God. And so we, we're looking to God for what he can do, but instead of looking, God is saying the move of God isn't in looking, it's in listening. And to hear a whisper." You need to be silent. The noise and the commotion around you has to go way down. See, Elijah was used to the fire. He was used to the thunder. He was, he was used to seeing God show up in a powerful way. And now he's running from a woman, Jezebel. He's terrified, and he's panicking, and he's stressed out. How many, how many think you'd be pretty stressed out if someone's trying to take your life? And, and in life, when we get stressed out, when the pressure is on, there's a sense, I've got I to gotta hide, i got to get away from the situation. I gotta, I, and then we start praying, God, I'm so stressed, send the fire of God. Oh, Lord, those people are talking about me, you know, send the fire. You know, God, just, I need another move of God, I need another baptism of the Holy Spirit. We start praying like this, and God is talking to Elijah, saying, you don't need any of that right now. What you need is, you need to hear my voice, because in my whisper is your next assignment. God wants us to hear the whisper. And, and when we're stressed out and when everything seems to be shaken and, 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 and we're in a place like Elijah, we need, to, we need to get alone with God and say, Hey, God, you know, uh, I, I need to hear the whisper of God because that's where revival is in that moment. God, what's my next assignment? You know, everyone gives Elijah a, a bad rap and they say, you know, I mean, he saw a lot and he was tired. And everyone says, well, you know, he lost, you know, he went out, you know, he was afraid, he drank from, so his judgment was that he was going to pass the mantle to Elisha. No, no, I think God was just saying, hey, your assignment's done, you've done well, and now I want you, your next assignment is we're going to go and anoint the new king, and we're going to put your mantle uh, on Elisha, and you're going to begin to train Elisha, and I'm going to take you home soon. And I think it was kind of like, it's time. How many know there's seasons in their life? God wants to move us into our next season, but we can't move into the next season unless we get to the place where we hear his whisper. And so why we're crying out and we're in stress and we're having problems and we're saying, God, I need your fire. God, I need your shaking. God, I need I need the Spirit of God to breathe in me. God is saying, No, no, you need to shut up. Listen. Sit. The voice of the Lord is in the whisper. Amen. And the enemy wants to get us all focused on the problems that are going on around us. And God is saying, just get alone and let me be in the whisper. Let me direct your life. See, God wants to answer our prayers. Amen? Yeah. God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to have a relationship with us. And I love this. In John chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, Until now you've ha- you, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask." And you will receive that your joy may be full. See, God wants you to be full of joy. God wants you to receive. God wants you to have things in life, but you need to ask Him for it. Amen? And He will give it. So God is saying, I want you to pray. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Keep on asking. Say, Keep on asking. And you will receive what you asked for. Say, Keep on seeking. And you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open there's a, there's a, cons, a consistency we have to keep pressing in we got to keep asking keep knocking keep seeking and as we do the door will be open amen and so god wants to answer our prayer he wants us to be consistent and persistent in prayer but if god wants to answer my prayers here's a question why don't more of them get answered that's a million dollar question right like why aren't my like i've been praying for this for a long time and my prayers aren't getting answered so I want to answer that this morning if it's okay with you. We're going to start in James chapter 4, uh, verse 1 to 5. James chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Um, James is talking to the church. He's not talking to unsaved people. He's talking to Christians. And he's talking about how to draw close to God. Look what he says here. James chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Here's the question. He's basically saying to the church, I want you to search your heart. I want you to see... Like, what is causing you guys to fight? Think about it. How many know we got to think about what we're thinking about, right? And he's saying, why are you guys fighting so much? Think about it. Look, and then he gives us the answer. He says, don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? And so he's saying there's evil desires that are warring from within you, and it's causing you to fight and quarrel. Okay? And then he tells us exactly what it is. In the next verse, he says, you want what you don't have. I don't have enough. I want to have more. I'd be happy if I had a boat. I'd be happy if I had a newer car. I'd be happy if I had a better job. I'd be happy if, you know, uh, I had a better wife, better husband, right? You, you, you want what you can't have, and you start looking at the things of this world and say, if I could only have that, I would have joy. If I'd only have that, I would have comfort. If i only have that, I'd have peace. And, and you want what you, what you can't have, so you scheme, and some people kill, to get it. You are jealous of what others have. So Paul's saying the issue is that you, you want what you can't have, and you're jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war and, 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 and to take it away from them. And that's what war is, really. There's a lot of oil in the Middle East, and that's a big factor to why there's war there all the time. People want what they can't have. They're jealous and envious of what they can't have, all right? And so you fight, wage war, to take it away from them. This is, what Paul, this is what James is saying. The evil desire is that you want the things of this world and you start pursuing them because you think in finding them you're going to have joy. You're going to have pleasure. Look what he says. This is key. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. In other words, it's not bad to have things, but instead of going to God in a relationship, God, I really would like this, then God would give it to you. Instead of that, you're pursuing the things because you think in that you'll be content. In other words, you're trying to bypass your relationship with God to get the things that you think you want, which you really don't want. How many hear what I'm saying? And James is saying you don't have these things because you don't ask God for it. Does this make sense? So, you're pursuing things of this world thinking that if I have these things, I'm gonna be content. You're not asking God because you're not spending time with God. If you were spending time with God, instead of pursuing things, you'd ask God for the things. It's really simple, okay? And, and even when you ask, this is key too, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You, you want these things because you feel you're gonna find pleasure. Uh, ...in these things. See, here's a breakdown. Pursuing things instead of asking God for things. Okay? Things will never make you happy. Possessions can make life more comfortable... ...but you're not going to find happiness. Happiness is found in relationships. Relationship with God... ...and relationship with one another. And I'll tell you this. You'd give me a rich man or a rich woman... ...and they might own a, a mansion on the hill... They might own a cottage, several cottages, run businesses, have enough money that they never have to work. But if they have to go home to a spouse and they fight all the time and their kids don't like him, they're miserable people. But you can take a poor man that has a healthy love relationship with his spouse, has a healthy relationship with his kids, and he doesn't have two nickels to rub together, but he's happy. Because true joy is found in a relationship. It's in relationships. Say relationships. And, and, and all of these other things. See, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. God doesn't mind. See, God doesn't, you know, if our hands handle wealth, he has no issue with that. It's when wealth handles our hearts. How many of you what I'm saying this morning? Okay. Um, I read this quote, actually, by Jim Carrey, believe it or not. And he said this, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's not the answer. Right? Um, A mystery of the world is when a man who is on top, who has had it all, riches, fame, power, success, fulfillment, say they aren't really happy. Some of them commit suicide. Some of them take drugs and forget their emptiness. Some of them keep on hoping or hopping from relationship to relationship just to fill the empty feeling that's in their heart. King Solomon had it all. And look what he said. He said, it's all chasing after the wind. That's what he says. It's senseless, worthless, and unfair. And so stuff doesn't bring happiness, right? True happiness is in healthy relationships. Amen? And you can't take anything with you anyway. I've done a few funerals in my life, and I've never seen a hearse being followed by U-Haul. I've never seen it. Has anyone seen that? You know, it just doesn't happen. Like, it all goes, you know, my my wife said the thing that when her mother passed away that bothered her the most, she was sitting there scratching her head, and she's like, she left her purse. She never leaves her purse. Her purse goes everywhere. And she said, what am I going to do with this? She didn't take it with her. Right? And it was just like this. You know, we can't take anything. The only thing we can take into eternity is relationships.
1: The relationship
0: we establish with the Lord goes into eternity. The relationship we establish with our children, with our families, with our friends, we take that into eternity. All the things of this world are going to pass away. They have no value. Amen? And so what you had was you had Abraham, who was a friend of God, who his, very, his, his desire was to know God, and his heart was to be a friend of God, and the Bible says he was very wealthy because God gave him all of these riches to make his life comfortable, but he didn't care if he had them or not. Amen? And that's the place where we have to be, is where God has our hearts. Paul says, I've learned to be wealthy, and I've learned to be a base, and I've learned to be content in any state. Say it's all about relationships. James chapter 4, verse 4. So we see here how God deals with this. Now, he says, adulterers and adulteresses. I mean, these are strong words, okay? Now, I'm reading it actually from the New King James here, but it's the same thing. Do you not know that friendship with the world is making you an enemy of God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself or herself an enemy of God. Right? Now, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of it. Okay? So it's not not wrong to have worldly things or things in this world because, you know, God wants us to be comfortable in life. That's not the issue. But the word friendship, God is talking very Precisely here, friends. What if you think of a good friend? Okay, is a friend is someone who holds your heart. I've had. How many have had a best friend? Let me see your hands. Okay, and now tell you about. The difference between a best friend and an acquaintance is that I remember times in my life, just thinking now, going back in my mind, when, when something bad was happening in my life, I would call my best friend or I'd go visit my best friend, and I would, I would share my heart. I'm really going through a tough time. and say, oh, you know, and they begin to comfort me, begin to comfort me, and I would comfort them. Or you're going through a really good time in life. Something good happens, and you go and tell your friend, and you rejoice together. And so there's a relationship of comfort with friendship. And what God is saying is if if you're going, if your comfort is, you know, if I, 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 you know, I was talking to someone this week, actually, who's who's a Christian now, and said they were hanging with her friends, and their friends were drinking and partying, and this person said, I didn't fit in, and I just, I can't live this lifestyle anymore. It's a downer to me, right? And, you know, how... Things change. I, I, I don't have. I don't find comfort in a bottle. I don't find comfort in the party lives. I don't find my comfort. You know, if I could only have a nicer car, I'd feel accepted. I'd feel comfort in that, or I've had this, or I had. You know what? You don't find it because you're not a friend of the world. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? And God is saying, friends hold your heart. Friends bring comfort and friends bring trust. And that's why it's so important that God has our heart. And God uses strong words. You adulterer. It's kind of like if I came home, right, to my wife, ate supper that she made for me, okay, and then I go next door and visit Molly. Nothing happens centrally, but I may go over there, and I start pouring out my heart, and this woman starts comforting me, and, you know, there's, there's this relationship where I'm finding comfort in Molly, and would my wife be happy about it? I would make myself an enemy of Camilla. She would be, she'd be smoking, Matt. I mean, the frying plans would be flying. I would just come home in the cast iron pan. You're giving your heart to another woman. Right? But that's how God feels when you're saying, I'm going to find my comfort and my support in life. I'm going to find it all in the things of this world instead of in relationship with God. He says, you're an adulterer. You're making yourself an enemy of me. And that's not a legalistic thing. That's that's showing you the heart of God, that God is passionate about you. God wants to be married to you. Right? That's what he said. Next verse says here Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously for our affection? You know what I mean? This is, this is how it all... See, if I, if I love my wife and I treat her really good and I buy her a diamond ring and I tell her I love her every day, I mean, I tell you what, she's going to give me the world. If she, if she can, she's going to give me whatever I want, right? Because, because of a love relationship. And that's what I've seen happen. As people fall in love with Jesus, <laughs> their finances go through the roof. I've seen this. I see God come through and, and now God starts blessing them with things and because... Their priorities are straight. Amen? And so God wants us to realize that he, he cares about our relationship with him. Say, i got to go to God. Say, let's say it again. Say, i got go to I gotta go to God for my support. I have to go to God for my comfort. It's so important. All right? So if you seek first the kingdom of God, um, he will add all other things. He will add all the other things. Amen? Paul, Paul begins to pray in Ephesians a bunch of prayers. Um, one of the ones that are really powerful. I'm just going to read it and we're going to close. Ephesians chapter 3, um, verse 14 to 19. It says this, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is praying, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit, in the inner man. So when Paul's praying for the church, he's praying that God will do something within them. It was not external prayers. That, well, that God will bless you and give you money. Or God will help you with your trials. No, he said, I want something to happen on the inside. See, your life changes from the inside out. Not the other way around. So he said, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. You can't even explain it to people. It's just, it passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What would that look like? To be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, there's a man named John G. Lake. And... um, he went down, his, part of his he had a powerful healing ministry, but he went down to uh, South Africa, and there was a plague that broke out. And the doctors, he, he spent so much time with God, and he believed that not only was the spirit saved, but his body was filled with the spirit of God. Just Scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken and make alive your body. So they went into South Africa, and there was a plague that broke out. And so they were, everyone was ordered, if you go in to get the bodies or to get the sick people, you have to wear a full suit, because if you get it on your skin, you will get the virus. You will get the disease. It was a plague, a skin disease. And so he, he went in, and he was picking up bodies and helping bring the sick out. And, he, and they were yelling at him. They said, you need to put on a costume. He said, no, you don't understand. He goes, the spirit of God lives in me. And any disease that touches my body, any virus will die. The Spirit of God will kill it when it touches my body. And they thought he was crazy. He said, no, you test it. So they put his hand under a microscope, and they took a vial, and they dropped the virus. And as soon as it hit his skin, it would would die. Amen? Because he knew the power of God that was working in him. Because he was in such a deep relationship with God. All right? And so not every Christian, this is important, will experience God's strength. Not every Christian will experience the love of God to the level that God wants them to know it because they're not praying for it. Right? You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss to spend it. What if you started praying, God, would you just fill me with your spirit every day? God, I want to know your love for me. I want to know your love for me in a deeper way. I want to see the way you see me. I want to understand the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. Would you begin to show me God? You begin praying about how God can transform you on the inside. You do that for a few weeks and you watch where you come out. Amen? And this is what Paul was saying. You need to start praying that God would begin to come alive in you to a new level. Don't worry about the outside circumstance; They will change you got loved ones that aren't saved, and you're praying for them. You start praying, God, fill me with your spirit. Reveal your love. Fill them with your spirit. And you get around them, and God starts showing up. They'll get saved pretty quick. Amen? So, God wants to grant us these things. And so, out of these two prayers, I just want to finish with this prayer. I want to pray over you, so if you guys want to stand. And then we're going to have Pastor Jacques come and do communion for us. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father. I thank, that, thank you and ask you to grant unto me, from your unlimited place of resource, spiritual wisdom and insight, that you would flood my heart with light, that you would help me understand your power, that your spirit would strengthen me with might on the inside, and could you show me your unconditional love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's give the Lord a hand. Awesome. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.